Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me today. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. We've got a Senate deal on guns. They appear to have the votes to get it passed. I want to review it with you. I got to be honest with you as well. You know, um, Paul, in one of his, I forget which epistle, uh, which of his letters he writes basically that uh, you, you don't put the the new converts in charge because sometimes they're too fiery and fired up and, and they need time to, to temper themselves. And, you know, it, it, when I was younger, I would have been just appalled uh, and, and angry and rabid about uh, making an 18-year-old wait a couple days to get his get his rifle. I, I'm not so sure anymore that I am. I, I don't think if you're over 21 that you should have to wait. Um, but I think if you're 18 to 21 and, and they want to check your juvie record from 16 to 18 because of the way the database works, it actually can't be done immediately like your standard background check. I, I, I might be okay. With that, there's a lot of it though that I have problems with. I don't know that I've got a problem with that. I, I don't know that I support it. I don't know that I got a problem with it. There's some of it I've got a problem with, including some of the due process stuff. But I, that one, it, it, it kind of strikes me as a fair compromise, even if it's not what I necessarily want. And that's one of the provisions of this bill that between the from 18 to to the day before your 21st birthday. Uh, if you want to buy a gun, uh, you've got to wait three days to allow there to be a check of juvenile court records to make sure there's no crime that you've committed 16 to 18. Now, the re- this expires after 10 years, and the reason it expires after 10 years is because they want your juvie record to be put into the federal database. They think it'll take 10 years to get that done, and then after that, it'll be an immediate check but it will be a check of what you did 16 to 18, if there are any crimes there. Anything that happened before 16 won't count, but 16 and up uh, would. Uh, let me give you this from the reload, and I'm happy to take your questions and, and your calls on this as well today, 877-973-7425. This is a big deal, though. I want you to understand it. I'm going to begin with the reload.com. Stephen Gutowski is always the best source on this stuff. From Stephen Gutowski at The Reload, uh, I'm just going to read you some of what he wrote. The package extends current prohibitions on gun sales to those who have disqualifying juvenile records and those convicted of misdemeanor violent crimes against quote-unquote dating partners. It includes a new background check process for 18 to 20-year-olds, funding for red flag laws or other state crisis intervention programs, the reclassification of who must obtain federal gun dealing licenses and several other proposals. It's a bipartisan group. Uh, they've got the votes. It's obviously in response to Uvalde. Let me let me break this down for you. Uh, the bill would make it illegal for anyone to knowingly sell guns or ammunition to anyone who has a juvenile record that includes a felony conviction, domestic violence, misdemeanor conviction, or an involuntary commitment after the age of 16. Until now, those prohibitions had only applied to adult records. However, the law does not amend the prohibition on gun possession to include those with disqualifying possessions. So the proposal would make it illegal to sell guns or ammo to someone of any age who has a disqualifying juvenile record, but not for them to possess the gun. Now, this is one of those situations where 
uh, if, if a parent wants to buy a gun for their child, it's okay for the parent to do. And I think that a, I, I support a delay as long as the parent can buy the child for the gun and, and God help the parent if they're responsible enough to buy a gun for their child who's got issues. Uh, the same provision creates a special background check process for 18 to 20-year-olds. Under the special process, the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check System, NICS, would be required to contact the Juvenile Criminal Record System in the buyer state, the state's mental health record custodian, and a local law enforcement agency where the buyer lives to check on disqualifying juvenile records. NICS then has three days to tell the gun dealer whether it found cause to further investigate. If so, it can take 10 days for an investigation. After that point, after the 10 days, the gun can be sold if no determination has been made. The process is similar to the current procedure for which Nix identifies a potential disqualifying record it doesn't have immediate access to. In those situations, the FBI can delay a sale for up to three days in order to further investigate. The text says Nix must return a result on whether it found reason to believe the buyer has disqualifying juvenile records as soon as possible, but the new process appears likely to result in sales to 18 to 20-year-olds being delayed more often. The entire specialized background process will expire after 10 years, but disqualifying juvenile records will remain in the NICS Nix after that point. The bill also expands the definition of domestic violence to include dating relationships. It applies to anyone who is convicted of a misdemeanor violent attack. They are or recently were in a continuing serious relationship of a romantic or intimate nature. The text says whether the relationship falls under this definition will be determined by its length, nature, as well as the frequency and type of interaction between those involved. It specifically rejects any casual acquaintance or ordinary fraternization in a business or social context. The updating updated definition would not apply retroactively. Additionally, anyone barred under the new dating relationship provision would be automatically eligible for the record to be expunged and removed from the background check system after five years if they don't commit any further crimes during that period. That clemency would not extend to the misdemeanor domestic violence offenses against spouses and children that are already in the law. The expungement of dating partner records appears to be part of a concession made by Republicans during negotiations. States can also request grant money for crisis intervention programs, including mental health courts, drug courts, and veterans courts, instead of red flag programs. Additionally, in order for a red flag law to qualify for funding, it has to include due process rights that prevent any violation or infringement of the Constitution, have an evidentiary standard in line with similar federal court proceedings, and penalties for abuse of the program. The bill also creates a new and potentially redundant crime for purchasing guns for others who can't legally own them or for gun trafficking. Both of those offenses are already illegal though critics complain about low prosecution rates. The deal also reworks the standard for when people legally selling firearms are required to obtain a federal license. The standard will be changed from those who sell guns with the principal objective of livelihood and profit to those who sell predominantly to earn a profit. The text further defines that as someone who sells guns with a goal of obtaining pecuniary gain 
instead of somebody who has the goal of improving or liquidating a personal firearm collection. So if you're selling or liquidating a personal firearm collection, uh, you don't have to get a federal firearms license, but if you're doing it as a means of regular income, you would. Now, uh, gun rights groups are, of course, not happy. Uh, Eric Pratt of Gun Owners of America says, once again, so-called conservative senators are making clear they believe the rights of American citizens can be compromised away. Let me be clear, they have no authority to compromise our rights and we will not tolerate legislators who are willing to turn gun owners into second-class citizens. The NRA also came out in opposition but said it uh, supported the school security measures and health funding aspects of the legislation. In fact, uh, there is money in the legislation. I'm, I'm leaving Stephen, Stephen Gutowski there. You can read what he wrote at thereload.com. There is money in the proposal that would uh, go to school security. Improve school security, improve school security personnel, improve their training, make sure there are people on the grounds for security. Uh, In addition to the mental health funding and mental health programs at the state level, really about the only major things related to guns are 18 to 20 year olds having to wait three days to buy their gun. And also, uh, changing the definition of a federal f- requirements for a federal firearms license to sell guns, uh, not to someone who runs a gun store, but to someone who does sell guns uh, for regular income. Uh, that's that's the big change. And then the domestic uh, violence one for um, dating relationships. So that was Christian Cinema's big thing. Christian Cinema wanted a provision in the legislation that would. Uh, essentially say uh, if you're not in a married relationship, but you're in a long-term relationship, that the domestic abuse stuff should apply uh, as well. So they're doing that. Now, uh, over at um, another friend's site, Randoland, uh, he's got a breakdown of all the spending that's in the bill. And this is really the ridiculous part. The bill includes $40 million for expansion of community mental health service demonstration programs. Uh, as part of the Protecting Access to Medicare Act of 2014. It includes $58 million for the Department of Health and Human Services and Department of Education to provide guidance and technical assistance on delivering Medicare services in schools. It includes $10 million for two years of reviewing state implementation of school Medicare early periodic screening, diagnostic, and treatment services, and a million dollars thereafter every year. It includes $155 million for pediatric med- uh, mental health care access grants. It enacts uh, more stringent requirements for the FFL firearm transfer to 18 to 21-year-olds and, in essence, creates a legal de facto waiting period for the group. It includes a redefined uh, standard of classification for federal firearms licensee dealers, specifically meaning uh, those who engage in the business also changes the definition slightly of terrorism. The bill authorizes the use of the burn law enforcement grants for developing red flag laws uh, with vague requirements and punishments unspecified. It enacts additional federal penalties for straw purchases. So you're going to get the book thrown at you even harder if you buy a gun for someone not allowed to own a gun. It includes enhanced penalties for transferring firearms to felons or those likely to commit a felony. There's actually a standard there. It's not just 
oh, the government says this person is likely to commit a felony. No, there's you have reason to believe this person is going to commit a crime based on your interactions with the person. It includes a prohibition on firearms and ammunition transfers to agents of drug cartels. It enables federal firearms licensed dealers to use NICS background checks for current or prospective employees. It enables uh, gun dealers to use the FBI stolen firearm database. It includes $5 million for the ATF uh, to raise awareness about straw purchases. It reimburses local law enforcement for assistance in anti-trafficking efforts. It prohibits the establishment of a federal firearms registry. It expands the definition of domestic violence to revoke firearms possession of the daily relationship, which we already covered. It includes an extension of the moratorium or implementation of the rule relating to eliminating the anti-kickback statute on prescription drug rebates. Yes, prescription drug rebates are part of this. Um, and then it includes the Luke and Alex Safe School Safety Act of 2022, which establishes a federal clearinghouse on school safety best practices. It directs federal training and assistance to school systems and local law enforcement on school security. It uh, prohibits schools from... Um, it includes an amendment on school funding, prohibiting schools from using them to arm or train anyone in the use of deadly weapons, uh, the ESEA. Um, and the last one, um, it includes $100 million to upgrade and pay for the people operating the um, NICS system for background checks. It includes $1.4 billion in assistance to state and local law enforcement in developing and implementing the red flag laws. There's a lot of money being spent in here, a lot of it on mental health, a lot of it on, on uh, Medicare-related expansions for people who don't have private insurance but need access to mental health. Um, and it does prohibit the government from having a federal database uh, of gun registrations. But again, the big, the big, big issue here in this law, they've got the votes to pass it. The big issue is if you're 18 to 20 years old, you will have to wait for three days for them to check juvenile records to see if you've been convicted of a what would be a felony as an adult from 16 to the age of 18. If so, you can't buy the gun uh, through the age of 21. Uh, if there's nothing there, then you can buy the gun. And if your parent buys the gun and gives you access to the gun, your parent will not be punished unless your parent has reason to believe you're going to use it for a crime. That is the gun compromise that's before the United States Senate. Uh, there were 14 Republican votes to bring it to the floor for debate. There appear to be at least 10 Republican votes to get it passed. And it looks like the House of Representatives will pass it as well. I'm a longtime customer of Bull and Branch. I love their sheets. I sleep very comfortably, very coolly underneath them. I don't like to get hot when I sleep. They're very, very breathable. They're very, very soft, and they get softer with every wash as well. Bolin brand sheets, they're not just buttery, breathably, and possibly comfortable and softer with every wash. You don't even have to worry about the thread count there because they use the best threads possible, and you can tell by the quality of the sheets. I highly recommend you get some. 
my wife and I, you know, she heard the ads on other shows. She doesn't listen to my podcast and she wanted them. And then we got some and we've fallen in love with them. We've got them on a lot of the beds in our house. They use the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're so luxurious. They're beloved by three American presidents and they got over 10,000 reviews all of which are fantastic reviews. And right now you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bolandbranch.com. That's bolandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. If you subscribe to the show notes, you get all the breakdowns of the new gun law in Washington, D.C., so you should text the word DATA to 33777. Uh, you'll get the link back. You can subscribe uh, and, and get the daily show notes. So I've got the links to all the stuff I covered. Uh, I want to go to the phones. I want to take Tim's phone call on this issue. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Eric. Um, I'm really confused right now because um, if I'm correct, uh, the Supreme Court has already ruled on red flag laws being unconstitutional. Now, I understand that they're effective. In, in several states, but um, if I'm not mistaken, Caniglia versus Strom was a 9-0 decision, a unanimous court ruling that said that it was unconstitutional, both on the Fourth and the Second Amendment. So I'm just confused. What is the status of the constitutionality of red flag laws? Yeah, um, so the, the, the case in particular um, was the, the Coniglia versus Strom, and it has a lot to do with due process. Uh, and in particular, in that case, um, there, there lacked due process for the person to be able to challenge uh, gun confiscations from their property. And what the Supreme Court says uh, is not necessarily that you have to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, have a red flag law is unconstitutional, but if you have them, there's got to be a specific due process provision. <clears throat> excuse me, let me uh, review this for you. Um, so uh, feeling irrationally angry after an argument with his wife in 2015, the police were called on firearm owner Edward Caniglia to perform a welfare check. He agreed to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. Upon returning to his home, he found the police had unconstitutionally searched his home and seized his firearms. For the first time in 13 years, the court upheld uh, privacy and gun rights unanimously 9-0. After Caniglia sued the officers, the first district court ruled in favor of the officers and incorrectly claimed the seizure was justified under a community caretaker exception to the Fourth Amendment. In essence, the court tried to equate the police stopping to help a disabled vehicle on the side of the road to an illegal search of a private residence. The appeal to the Supreme Court, Justice Thomas wrote the opinion. Uh, it was unanimous and said it was an overt violation of the Fourth Amendment. The reaffirmation of privacy in the Second Amendment uh, must give people, I'm reading now from the Libertas Institute, uh, pause on red flag laws. In particular, what the court said is you can't have uh, police going in and searching for guns in someone's house without court permission. That's what they did here because he was uh, in um, Coniglia versus Strom. 
He said he'd go for a welfare check. The police went in and searched his house and got his guns. They didn't have a warrant. They didn't have court permission. If you want a red flag law, you've got to have due process provisions where someone can contest it before they can take the guns. So that's what Congress is doing here in the red flag laws is they're adding some due process provisions and showing states how they can do it to pass constitutional muster. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it, and I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member Finn Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. There is some breaking news I need to deal with. A federal grand jury has indicted uh, on 21 counts Andrew Gillum and Sharon Jeanette Letham Hicks, both of Tallahassee. If that name sounds familiar... Andrew Gillum was the Democrats' uh, opponent against Ron DeSantis in 2018. Uh, Gillum lost by only 33,000 votes. It was 49.6 to 49.2%, 33,000 votes. Can you imagine Andrew Gillum as governor of Florida? My gosh, that's the guy who later was found to despite married with kids, uh, having uh, a a, a gay amateur porn star who was also a nurse in a hotel room with meth and other drugs and lots of Viagra and and where Gillum was supposed to be at a wedding or some such, uh, went to rehab and had all sorts of issues. Um, And that wasn't that long after losing that election. And now he's going to have to go to trial. Essentially, the indictment says between 2016 and 2019, uh, defendants Gillum and Letham Hicks conspired to commit wire fraud by unlawfully soliciting and obtaining funds from various entities and individuals through false and fraudulent promises and representations that the funds would be used for legitimate purposes. The indictment further alleges the defendants used third parties to divert a portion of those funds to a company owned by Letham Hicks who then fraudulently provided the funds 
disguised as payroll payments to Gillum for personal use. Uh, basically, what it boils down to is uh, Gillum was raising money for his campaign, diverting it to Hicks, who then diverted it back to him in a uh, form of income. Uh, so he wasn't really putting all of his money into running for uh, governor in 2018. Man, when you think about 2018, we dodged some bullets, didn't we? It was like stormtrooper fire from the Democrats. We got uh, Beto O'Rourke lost to Ted Cruz, Stacey Abrams lost to Brian Kemp, and Andrew Gillum lost to Ron DeSantis. And it was a bad year for the GOP. Uh, it was a bad year for the GOP nationwide, but boy, we dodged some clunkers with those. Uh, gosh, uh, and you know, the irony here, there, there, there is a lesson here. So if you will recall, the Democrats in Florida really, really wanted Ron DeSantis. Uh, Adam Putnam was the agriculture commissioner of Florida. He'd been a former congressman, very nice guy, run, ran for governor against DeSantis. DeSantis was the Trumper. Uh, in a year where Donald Trump was doing poorly and there was voter backlash to him in the midterms, uh, the Democrats thought run Ron DeSantis, who was identified as the Trump guy and had Trump's support, run him. And so a lot of Democrats crossed over to try to get DeSantis the nomination. Well, uh, Gwen Graham was running uh, against Andrew Gillum. Uh, Gwen uh, Graham was the daughter of Bob Graham, who had been both U.S. Senator and Governor in Florida. She represented the 2nd Congressional District. She's now the Assistant Secretary for Education of the Biden administration. She ran for governor, uh, had the name ID, had the, um, had the clout, had the Democratic backing, uh, but so many re Democrats crossed over to make sure DeSantis got the nomination of the Republican side and there weren't enough of these mainstream moderate Democrats in Florida to get Graham the nomination. Uh, Gillum was able to get the nomination. And the fact is Gwen Graham in 2018 in that environment probably would have won and beaten Ron DeSantis. Andrew Gillum came close. But now, because the Democrats got cute in 2018, they face Ron DeSantis in 2022, where he hasn't been below 50% in, in any significant poll, and he's probably going to be the Republican nominee in 2024 as things go on, uh, barring some unforeseen events. Uh, history has a way of doing stuff like that. Now, the moral of the story here is that Democrats are spending a lot of time trying to shape the Republican field, thinking if we get some of these fringy Republicans elected or get these fringy Republicans the Republican nomination, there's no way the voters will vote for him in the general. I would not be so sure, Democrats. This is a real danger the Democrats are playing, and uh, they're too clever by half. For years now, and, and we can go back to Todd Aiken and Claire McCaskill, uh, that was probably the most notable one, but not the only one. Democrats tried to shape the Republican field to help themselves. And in that race, uh, they were able to help Todd Aiken get the nomination in Colorado, or in Missouri, rather, and Claire McCaskill beat Todd Aiken. And since then, Democrats have been more emboldened to try to shape the Republicans and get the worst possible Republican candidate. They did it in Colorado several times. This year in Pennsylvania, the Democrats spent about a million dollars 
advertising and promoting Mastriano, the Republican gubernatorial candidate. Uh, he spent like 33000 They spent almost a million dollars promoting him on TV. The Democrats did. The Democrats spent almost a million dollars promoting the Republican candidate for governor, and he got the nomination. And you know what? He could win the environment so bad. The Democrats have been doing this, and the problem for them is they're helping elevate the Republican conspiracy theorists about the election, and they could win. Now, one of the reasons they could win is because the economy is about to get even worse. Bill Dudley was the president of the Federal Reserve Bank from 2009 to 2018. He was the vice chairman of the Federal Open Market Committee. He was the chief U.S. economist at Goldman Sachs. He's now a senior research scholar at Princeton University Center for Economic Policy and an opinion columnist at Bloomberg. This is what Bill Dudley is writing today. If you're still holding out hope, the Federal Reserve will be able to engineer a soft landing in the U.S. economy, abandon it. A recession is inevitable within the next 12 to 18 months. In their latest set of projections, Fed officials laid out a benign scenario in which the economy keeps growing at a moderate pace and unemployment increases only slightly, even as the central bank raises interest rates significantly to get inflation under control. While the Fed's forecasts have become more plausible over time, I see several reasons to expect a much harder landing. First, Persistent price increases have forced the Fed to shift its focus from supporting economic activity to pushing inflation back down to its 2% objective. The central bank's employment mandate is now subservient to the inflation mandate. This can be seen both in Chair Jerome Powell's performance at the press conference after the Federal Open Market Committee, which removed language from the, that the labor market would remain strong. Second, the new focus on price stability will be relentless. Fed officials recognize that failing to bring inflation back down would be disastrous. Inflation expectations would likely become unanchored, necessitating an even bigger recession later. From a risk management perspective, better to act now, whatever the cost in terms of jobs and growth, Powell does not want to repeat the mistakes of the 60s and 70s. Third, the current economic expansion is uniquely vulnerable to a sudden stop. In the short term, Payroll growth, economic reopening, and healthy balance sheets should support demand, which in several sectors exceeds supply. A recession is coming. It's not going to go well. You know, I was mentioning yesterday, I got a, got a friend. Um, he helps business, franchises do business development. He's he's trying to find a new job. If anybody knows of one, let me know because I'm trying to excrete him from a situation. Um but he was saying that he's dealing with uh, teen and 20-somethings who lack self-discipline and a lack of work ethic. And I don't know how you, how you build that level of a work ethic, uh, but these kids are showing up for work one day and they don't show up the next day. They get worn out. They don't want to work. They don't want to do it. They don't want to put in the time. They don't want to make the money. They think they can go somewhere else and make more money. It's It's been kind of an employee's job market. They can jump from job to job. We're headed into a recession. When you're headed into a recession, layoffs happen. And those are the people who are going to be laid off first. 
it is time to start learning work ethics. And I don't know, you know, as a, as a dad with kids who are teenagers, I, how, do, how do we as parents help our kids develop a work ethic and, and good fiscal management policies and, and practices? It, it's something I got to think about. Do we put them in the Dave Ramsey um, financial piece? Do we go through it with them? Do we find a coach to work with us? That's something we're going through right now as a family wondering what we do. But everybody's going to have to have this conversation. And if you are 18 or 20-something and you're not showing up for work because you think I'll just go find a job tomorrow somewhere else, uh, your good times are rapidly coming to an end. All of our good times are rapidly coming to an end. A recession is coming. All of the data is there, and it is going to just cause unmitigated hell for the Democrats this November, and I think they're beginning to realize it. I mean, they've already kind of known it, and now the president, we're going to get into the gas tax holiday proposal, why it's a bad idea. But that's what he seems to want. And you know what that's actually going to do? It's going to make the situation even worse and escalate all sorts of economic calamity. Even Barack Obama knew that. But the bottom line right now is if you don't think a recession is coming, and this White House is still adamant that a recession is not coming, uh, y'all, a recession is coming. Now, let me get to some phones here. Uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, Bill, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, thanks, sir. Could you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you said something yesterday that scared the, the buttons off me. And uh, I grew up in New Jersey with a bleeding heart Democrat mom. And me and my uh, two brothers have been looking for uh, a red state for as, as long as I could remember. I moved to Georgia. Somehow, ironically... New Jersey elected a Republican and Chris Christie a while ago, but that was just a blip. And then right. we had this this horrifying thing that happened this last election, uh, getting the two Democrats in there. I think you said something yesterday about that there's a possibility. I kept thinking, I was telling all my friends, no, this is crazy. This is just a blip. It's nuts. It's politics. We're going to reset ourselves and be right. But I, I swore yesterday you said, that we might be in trouble in the presidential election again. I don't. I think it was the presidential election. That, okay. This yeah, yeah, could, yeah. Um, we can go blue again. I, I was specifically talking about Georgia and Trump. Um, I, you know, I, I realize there are still a lot of people who really do believe that the election in Georgia was stolen, that Trump actually won it. Um, the the bottom line though is that if you look what happened. In Georgia, every single candidate that Donald Trump endorsed, except for Herschel Walker and Burt Jones, both of whom would have won without a support, all of them lost. In fact, yesterday in the runoffs in Georgia, all of Donald Trump's candidates in Georgia lost. Uh, I think if you get anyone but Trump in 2024, Georgia stays Republican um, and and helps in the Electoral College. I, I think there's some unique flaws with Donald Trump relating to voters in the state uh, that would cause him problems yeah. in 2024. So, no, I don't think George flips. You know, Stacey Abrams once said she actually thought the state would flip in 2022, which is why I always thought her 2018 bid was going to be her bid to do the trial run for 2022. I don't think she saw right. the headwinds going as, as nasty as they have become. I, I really do think she thought a reasonable Republican would probably win in 2016 and get reelected. So in 2022, she'd be in the six-year 
of a Republican administration deeply unpopular and would win. Instead, she's in the second year of a Democratic administration who happens to be the most unpopular president in American history. And that's going to help solidify yeah. the state. So hope that that's what I was talking about there. I hope that one works for you and, and um, that explains that one for you. Let's clear the air here. Uh, and by that, let's talk about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I'll get back to more phone calls here in a minute. Uh, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three pack, you can get up for less than $200 right now by going to EdenPureDeals.com and texting my, or using my code Eric3 on the front page. Now, a buddy of mine actually texted me yesterday and he says, So is it really that good or do they just pay you to say it? Um, both is the answer. Uh, let me tell you how I use my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Uh, they are small and portable. I use them not for a whole floor in my house, but for a room. And I particularly use them to eliminate odors in the room uh, or rental cars or hotel rooms. Like, for example, I do keep an Eden Pure Thunderstorm in my car. And I was telling my friend who was questioning me on them. Uh, I have had a situation more than once with rental cars where someone has smoked in the rental car. Uh, or there's pet odor in the rental car, and I have a USB cord, and you can use your USB cord to plug in to the uh, Eden Pure Thunderstorm, and I just turn it on and walk away. Close the door, let it run, and it wipes out the odors in the car. Or I've had it in a hotel room. I stayed in a hotel. The building was built in like 1805, and it had a very musty smell. Plugged in the Eden Pure Thunderstorm directly into the wall, walked away. It eliminated the odors. Or in my house, in my kitchen, I use it for fry odors. It works, and you can get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200, and you get free shipping. All you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in my code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You can get three of these for less than $200. One for your upstairs, one for downstairs, one for an RV, your your travel bag like I use it for, wherever. You get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. But use the discount code ERIC3. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let us... Go back to the phones. I'm going to go to Bob next. Welcome, Bob. How are you? I'm fine, Eric. How are you today? Great. What's going on? Um, first of all, I did. Ag- I appreciated your talking about uh, the Fed and the article on the fact that we're going to have a recession. I was listening to Powell this morning, and he was saying that the problem we have is supply chain, and, of course, it's energy. But uh, the reason I called is twofold. Number one, a couple of weeks ago, when you had a fundraiser for the Salvation Army, I made a very small donation, and I received a very nice card today from them acknowledging that, and I just wanted you to know that. Oh, nice. And second of all, I'll ask a question to hang up. Uh, you were talking about the proposed legislation. The question I always have in these cases is how is this legislation, how would it have prevented what has happened in Uvalde? So I'll uh, hang up and listen to your answer. Sure. Uh, you know, normally when they propose these gun control measures, that they, they don't. Now, my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, I want to say that up front, but from what I have read, the shooter in Uvalde had a juvenile record after the age of 16 uh, that had it been in his adult record would have precluded purchase of a firearm. So in that regard, uh, in this situation, that provision waiting for three days might have done something. Um, it 
more likely than not, if that was the situation, uh, stopped his ability to buy the guns. That's about it, though. Um, the other ones would not have. Um, and part of the problem is because there were already there's already a law in Texas that would have dealt with the situation uh, with, with the people's concerns about this guy, and nobody did anything anyway. That's, that's the ultimate bottom line issue there. Um, I, I gotta say, um, I, I'm just, I'm, I don't know that I'm really opposed to making an 18 year old wait three days to buy their gun to check the, the juvie records since the juvie records not available in the next database already, you know, in the next 10 years, they intend to incorporate them. So you'll get rid of the three day wait. Uh, it automatically expires under the legislation. I, I, I think I may be okay with it. Um, I'm, I'm not. 100% sure. The the other stuff, though, some of the due process provisions, I don't know that they're good ideas, and there's an enormous amount of spending in this legislation that I don't know is necessary either. Uh, John Cornyn, however, I'm pretty sure has kind of precluded himself from being leader of the Republicans in the Senate now.